Have you ever done something, or you ever sat a certain way, or said something where it totally reminded you of your parents? How does Jesus use this aspect about the human brain? Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey friends, you're watching Inverse here, and we are in the midst of a discussion on the topic of discipleship for the next 12 or 13 weeks. And here we're looking at the topic of the goal of discipleship. So we want to welcome you to uh, study the Inverse Bible Study Guides along with us. You can find them at inversebible.org. Once again, inversebible.org, and you'll see the past uh, topics that we've discussed and studied, and you'll see this quarter on the topic of discipleship. This time I'm going to invite my friends, Callie, Israel, and CQ to come online. I want to welcome you guys into our virtual studios. As you see, we're all over the world. <laughs> And we praise the Lord for this wonderful medium to allow our program to continue in the midst of these times. I'm going to ask Callie if you can pray for us and we'll get into scripture right away. Absolutely. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to study your word together. And I ask that right now you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things from your word. Please guide us by your Holy Spirit and may we see things clearly and that we can apply to our lives even today. We ask all this with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, for today, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 20. And we're going to ask our resident DJ, uh, Israel, if you can read those Bible verses for us. <laughs> all right. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set, for who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Thank you, Israel. I know that's a longer passage that, that uh, we read today. And, you know, friends, we don't really we don't read that to for any legalistic purposes or formality. We really want to get into Scripture. So if you have your Bibles or take them out, turn them on, whatever you got to do. Uh, and we're going to get into Scripture together. And we read from Philippians chapter three. Before we get into Philippians three, we're going to give a little bit just to back up a little bit. And then CQ, can you kind of recap what we talked about last week? And we're going to plunge into this week's topic. 
Okay. Uh, I guess a, as a quick recap, in summary, what we talked about last week was discipleship is not mm -hmm. just about programs. Um, it's mm -hmm. not about events. Discipleship is about relationships. Firstly, our relationship mm -hmm. with God as he disciples us, and then our relationship with other people as we lead them into a relationship with Jesus. So discipleship mm -hmm. is a relational experience um, where we're following Jesus, and as we follow him, we lead others to follow him as well in relationship. Yeah, and we see that, at least in the Christian walk, we're always being discipled by someone and then whether we're doing it explicit or implicitly, we're also discipling other people uh, through our example mm -hmm. and through our ministry in some way. So we're all we're in this mm -hmm. kind of nexus and web. We're always influencing each other. And that's kind of the beauty and perhaps even danger of human relationships. We're always, you know, feeding and and in this in this fluidity. Of, of behavior and belief. I want to ask you guys, um, what are some, you know, we're all in this walk with Jesus. Um, start, let's start off a little bit more abstract. Are there different Jesuses out there? Uh, we all we all believe in the same Jesus, the capital J, but is it possible that even the name is the same, that we have different identities of Jesus? And, and how does that play into our discipleship? We'll start with Cal. Yeah. I absolutely think that we have views of different Jesuses. I don't think there actually are different Jesuses. There, there's one Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. But we yeah. we have different views of him where mm -hmm. maybe for for whatever reason, we just like different aspects of him and we want to emphasize that over other parts. Maybe that's mm -hmm. because that speaks directly to a need or it speaks to something we want to triumph. And so we, we focus on that part. Um, and when we do that though, is we can focus so much on that part that we say that's all Jesus is. And so we're mimicking like 20% of Jesus, but we actually mm -hmm. need to walk in discipleship of, of every part of Jesus. So that's the difficulty mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, it's I, I, a little bit of a, a little, to add a little bit to what Kelly is saying as well. I don't think that, I. I don't think that what, when this happens, I don't think we're actually mimicking Jesus, but I think we're actually making, mimicking ourselves. And so what has happened, mm. I think, in our world today mm. is that we've, we've, we've made God into the image of man instead of making man into the image of God or, or woman or whatever, mm -hmm. right? So we mm. have, but what, what, what has happened, what generally happens and our nature as human beings is to look at different aspects of Christ that we like or that are like us. And then we turn the image of God into mm. the image of a human being and we say this is discipleship, and so it's it's critical for us to 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 point out the fact in our last episode on Matthew chapter twenty eight, there's an implied discipleship when Jesus says, "Go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." The implication that Jesus is making there is, "Make them disciples of me, of Jesus Christ. Don't make them disciples of yourself." And I think that that's mm -hmm. an important and critical point for us to, to talk about. When we're talking about discipleship, we need to make sure that we're talking about the discipleship of making disciples of Jesus Christ and not of ourselves. And that's a crucial role mm -hmm. where scripture takes place. Although, uh, you know, in a formal sense, oh, we got to believe the Bible and be a Bible. And that's true. But in a very organic sense, if we don't have scripture as our anchor for who Jesus is, mm -hmm. as Israel said, we may be just following who really are. I remember listening to a presentation one, which I highly disagreed with. And this person was saying that, that God is sarcastic. God is funny. God goes out and he makes fun of people and he's hanging out with them all the time. And there is an aspect, and I think that was 
point of the message that God has humor and he does have fellowship with people. But emphasizing that too much at the expense of the rest of who Jesus is and what he's doing really was was making Jesus in our image rather than us yeah. into into his image. Uh, Siku, any other uh, uh, insights? I mean, it's, it's, it's just a twist on what Israel and Kelly have already said, um, mm-hmm. that we know this of ourselves, that we are multifaceted. That's the word, multifaceted. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, you can't put me in a box. And it's frustrating when people put you in a box and they treat you like, this is all that you are and it's the sum total of who you are based on one interaction they had with you they stereotype and typecast right Mm um i think we do that with god and as israel was saying i think that that we like about him or the things that we can relate to and we make that to be all of who god is um Mm -hmm. whereas in reality god is the being and we are created in his image and if we are multifaceted, if there are different aspects to who we are, what more of the God of the universe? And instead of putting him in a box and deciding like, this is who God is, allowing God to be God, allowing him to reveal himself to us mm-hmm. and get to know him for who he is. And um, I think that's where we you know, put him in, make an idol, a graven image out of him and mm. set him in stone instead of letting him be God. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you all, what are some, some Bible verses or some, some vignettes of Jesus that really describe who he is and what aspects of Jesus that we should mimic, this be discipled of, copy, and not just in a mimic in a, like, he did this, let me do it that way, but in a really organic being sense. Um, let's go to Israel. Justin, yeah, mm-hmm. if I can go back a little bit to, to, to that Matthew chapter 28 component, okay. because it, there's, a, there's another piece of that that is that that shares into our conversation and when we think about discipleship what many of us think is that we are to be like jesus so that other people can be like us and so that when they are like us then they become like jesus mm-hmm. at least that's what i had in my mind prior to uh to mm-hmm. the study of this lesson but what mm-hmm. what really struck me more than ever before from from reading this passage again matthew chapter 28 it says, teach, make disciples of all people, which is in itself a very radical thing. Like, how does God use me to create a disciple of him? That, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that in itself is mind-blowing. But God says, all right, I want you to make disciples that will be disciples of me. How are mm-hmm. you going to do this? Is it by mimicking certain components of who I am? It's not really what he says. It says, by teaching them to observe all things. And then notice what it says, whatsoever I have commanded you. So Hmm. this work of discipleship is not actually so much a work that God has entrusted to us. My job is not so much to make the disciples of Jesus, but rather to be a vessel used by God to allow him to make disciples of himself. I then become a filter. He says, and this this is how I see it in my mind, how it plays off. As I live my life, as I do whatever God has commanded me to do, as I live my relationship with him and, and as I unfold that, then what has happened is that God is using me as a filter to make disciples of himself. And so I think this mm-hmm. is the role that, that you and I play in discipleship. We follow whatever God has commanded us to do. And as we interact with other people, 
the disciples become disciples of Jesus rather than disciples of Israel. Or disciples I appreciate of, of that de-emphasis of the self and the recalibrating, mm -hmm. and, and, and it, it makes a bit more sense. But it also places more more pressure on us because we are the filter to ensure that we are not, I mean, that if the filter is wrong or clogged or dirty, that can also have some disastrous, disastrous effects as well. Um, Kelly. Yeah, and I appreciate that because there is this balance, right? Because we talked about last time about how you don't have to be perfect to to have God use you to disciple other people. So we want to maintain that idea. But at the same time, you know, recognizing that you said that responsibility. And what I love too about experiencing discipleship, discipling other people, is it shows us so clearly our deep need of Jesus. You can't disciple people by your own programs, by your own ideas. And so even that draws us closer to Jesus to see how much we're needed to be to be that filter in order to show people an mm -hmm. accurate picture of him. Amen, amen. We gotta go to break right now, but when we come back, we're gonna look at, I mean, there are in a sense different Jesuses out there, the hippie Jesus, the eco-friendly Jesus, the, the organic corporate Jesus, whatever. We're gonna look at some Bible principles that really nail down on what kind of Jesus, who Jesus is to copy. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Well, welcome back. We're looking at discipleship and where is Jesus in the role of discipleship? And I would say that the New Testament talks about different gospels being out there, not the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, but also different lowercase g's that describe different Jesuses. And in our day and age, there are indeed different Jesuses. There is the one Lord Jesus, but there is the hippie Jesus, the eco-friendly Jesus, there is the political Jesus, and there is the apolitical monk Jesus. And we need to look at scripture to see how scripture pinpoints the exact character and identity of the Lord Jesus. So I'm gonna open it up to my, my friends here. And uh, what are some verses? What are some principles that really kind of narrow down what kind of Jesus we should be following and not make the mistake of recreating Jesus in our image, but us being recreated mm. in, in his image. Start with Callie. Yeah, a key text, if we can go there, is uh, Matthew 16, verse 24. 16. Mm -hmm. So flipping my pages. All right, Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus um, is speaking. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so we have this, the, the self-denying aspect of Jesus. And I, I wanna focus on this just because I really think it, it undergirds every other aspect of Jesus, mm. um, how he was yeah. loving or he was generous and he's just others focused. And mm -hmm. I, I find that profound because it's so unnatural. Like that is not my inclination whatsoever. I can pretend to be loving, even though I'm not really loving um, naturally, or I can look this way, but like self-denial is authentic or doesn't exist. And so when, when we see that, that example in Jesus, it really inspires the same with us because, you know, sometimes I can think I don't want to deny myself because of A, B, or C. But if you look at the ridiculous levels of self-denial that Jesus experienced and showed us, no self-denial experience um, 
is, is even close to that. And so that, that's, that example can really help me go in, in in any aspect in which I try to follow Jesus. Yeah, no, this is good. Thanks, Kelly, for, for starting us off. And, and I think this narrows yeah. us down a lot. Uh, there are a lot of religions that really don't promote the deni denial of self. They're all about the, the exploration yeah. of self and the development of self and the praise of self. Right. But there are a couple mm -hmm. of religions that do, do also deny self. Now, how is that different from, from biblical Christianity? Um, let's go well, to, to Siku. Siku is giving me a... Okay, so Israel is saving her out of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think what what something that Kelly said is so profound. I think that it, it kind of might have been missed a little bit, and that's that's at least what I what I gathered from this was that self denial is not so much an action only as it is okay. a, a check on motivation. In other words, okay. what moved Jesus was the motivation of self-denial rather than just a simple act of self-denial. Now, I think there's a lot of religions that portray actions that deny self, mm -hmm. or which could also be the interpretation of of um, of, of of torture or of uh, earning earning our way towards something better, right? But mm -hmm. what Kelly what Kelly said a little bit ago in terms of self-denial being something that is at the core of motivation that cannot be uh cannot be mimicked as other things can be mimicked is something that is extremely profound and this hits at the core of the gospel of jesus christ he was mm -hmm. self-denying in his motivation not just in his actions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, what comes to mind is that there are other religions that deny self and as you mentioned more on a an action basis but it is there are it is it is it is you can't argue that the human self the human heart is sinful that that is one belief that you don't lead a bible verse for or philosophy for philosophy for we are in the midst of suffering and human beings are 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 at fault for that uh but they they deny self and that's it there there's no filling of anything else whereas with christianity you deny self but there is the aspect of taking up the cross and you're filled with it jesus you put off the self and you put on the the new man and i love that and that that new man that jesus that that, that spirit that's filling us we're trying to endeavor on on who that is let's go to siku well i was, I was gonna say on the self-denial the I guess attribute that comes to mind that complements that is love right mm. um so the self-abnegation of 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 love like love is not just denying self but it's also thinking about others first right and so mm -hmm. jesus um you know the, the verse everybody knows john three sixteen. we're talking about god so god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and then jesus throughout his ministry like this is what he lived he lived for others you know i i came to seek and save those who are lost and then he tells his disciples he says you need to have love one for another and by this all men shall know that you are my disciples so that this characteristic of love and not just love like mm -hmm. a frilly kind of love, but the kind of love mm -hmm. that God had for us, the kind of love that sets aside self, mm -hmm. that is willing to sacrifice oneself for the better of somebody else. I mean, that mm -hmm. kind of love is the kind of love when the world sees it, 
they'll know that you are my disciples. And it's a love that cannot be fabricated. You can't make it up mm-hmm. out of thin air. It's a love that even parents struggle with for their kids. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's a deep, <laughs> deep divine love. Tell and us. that kind of love, like yes. this, all men shall know that you're my disciples. Yes, yes. The Bible says there are, are limits. As, as powerful as parental love is, there are limits. And this love that God gives us is a supernatural limit that no, that no one knows in Israel. I think if if we can go back also to our text is uh, Philippians chapter three, but if you just go mm-hmm. a, a chapter go before, it gives perhaps the most uh, the most complete picture of who Jesus is. And many times when we talk about love in Scripture, it's actually talking about self denying love, right? You can't separate those two. But mm-hmm. there's a there's another there's another component in Philippians that talks about. Uh, Jesus, not just as a person who loves, but as and as a person who denies themselves, but also as an individual who sought the salvation of others, who was an evangelist. Mm -hmm. And here it Mm -hmm. says, you know, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not think it robbery to be equal with God. That's dealing with denying self. Uh, He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There we have also the picture of the cross that comes out in Philippians chapter 2. And in that picture of the cross, it demonstrates the love that God had for the salvation of other people. And that's another component of the Jesus that we follow, the self-denying Jesus, the loving Jesus, and also the Jesus who was a soul winner, the Jesus who gave himself up, died on the cross so that other people can experience salvation. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, and then I love uh, Israel's uh, summary of this. But uh, Philippians 3 that, that Israel read in the beginning, at the top of the show, really gives us this kind of dynamic process. And, and this, has, this verse has given a lot of comfort to me. I look at a lot of Christians out there who may have been discipled or who have gone to church and followed Jesus for many years. But I want to ask you all, uh, why aren't they sometimes more loving or more self-denying or, or soul winners? Um, how come this doesn't happen for all Christians? Is this my problem? And how does the Bible respond to this? Go to yeah. Kelly. I I um I don't know if I have a complete answer, but I think I have a partial answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think uh, two reasons why, or really the main reason why this happens is because people don't have that vibrant relationship with Jesus themselves. I mm-hmm. when I think about this, I always go back to John chapter fifteen, where you know Jesus is talking about I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he doesn't say if you abide in me, then you have the option of creating fruit. You can choose whether or not you want to. It says if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Full stop. So mm-hmm. when we abide in Christ, that fruit comes out. So if we're not if we're not bearing fruit, it means we're not abiding. <laughs> Excuse me. So this can be for a bunch of different reasons. Um, some of them are worse than others. But mm. um, yeah, I think that the main thing is just that that lack of surrender, either knowingly or unknowingly, or just not going to the depth that we need to, to really abide in and surrender to Jesus himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Amen. Can I, Amen. Uh, uh, can I look a little earlier in the chapter, in chapter three? Um, it's It's really a profound chapter. You know, Paul talks about, um, all these things, all these accolades that he has, right? Um, you know, Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, and he goes on and on. And then he says in verse seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. And then he co- continues that, you know, the most important thing to me is to know Jesus, right? And to, I count all these things rubbish that I may, 
that I may um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And that's that leads us into what he's saying in verse 13. Even though I've given up all of this stuff, right? And I've realized that Christ is the most important thing to me. I'm willing to sacrifice every gain that the world could say I have because the most important thing to me is to know Jesus. Um, even in light of that, he says in verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Um, I thought of this verse when you asked, why is it, you know, we don't find Christians who have this self-denying love of Jesus. Um, I agree with Kelly that as we abide in Christ, that fruit is born in us. Like he mm. converts us and he transforms us into his likeness. Um, but even Paul himself looks at himself and says, I, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but I'm striving for something. Mm -hmm. So the important thing is yeah. striving for Christ-likeness, striving to be like Jesus, mm -hmm. and the attitude of realizing that no matter what I may have in my life, it, it's nothing compared to the joy of that fellowship and that relationship with God. And so when he tells us, um, if you let me just uh, to finish up where, where he goes with this, when he tells us in verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern, this is the kind of pattern that he's calling us to. He's saying Jesus, in the previous chapter, he painted this picture of Jesus, who is this ultimate pattern that no one could approach to, really. I, it's, it's such mm -hmm. a high standard. But then he says, I'm reaching for that, and I count nothing that I have ever attained to be anything close to where I'm trying to go. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, but... Mm -hmm. The goal is that we're all striving towards that. And if there's anything you copy from my life, is there any, if there's anything that I have patterned, it should be the striving for Christ-likeness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Israel. Yeah, yeah. I love what Paul, I love how Paul starts that little piece of uh, passage that we just read. It says, not that I have already attained or that I am already perfected. Uh, and you know, Sequel already uh, stressed it so eloquently, so I don't want to talk too much about that. But Paul never settled. He never settled, and that's the, the challenge that many of us as disciples have, is that we, we, mm -hmm. we start our experience with Jesus Christ, and we're very excited to follow him. There's no sacrifice too great, but over time, we feel that mm -hmm. we've reached a high enough standard. We feel that we're perfect enough. We've attained enough, and so we stop, and that prevents us from mm -hmm. reaching the full stature of the measure of the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. As I listen to all your comments, what's coming to me in a composite picture is that the, at least from Philippians chapter three, is that there is, this is multifacetedness and there's a certain dynamicness to Christian growth that even as some of some may feel like they're at the pinnacle of Christian growth, they, they judge others and that shouldn't be. We're at a different stage of growth and the ultimate goal of, of, of discipleship is to be like Jesus, to have the self-denying. So even when we come to a point of, man, I've self-denied, we need to even self-deny even more. And it's just this, it's a crazy, there's a dynamic and it's just multifactorial and the complexity that shows you this is a real vibrant uh, a growth in relationship with Jesus. Hopefully you've been blessed by our conversation here today. We've been in the midst of this topic on discipleship. And if you wanna see past, present, or even future episodes, visit hopetv.org slash inverse. We're so happy that you've decided to join us in the midst of this season. Join us next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, 
Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.